It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 205, with Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com and Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. This week, hyper-personalization, AirTag tracking, and Zoom's AI assistant. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Once yeah, again, you know, it's... It, Seattle is living up to its reputation. We had a very nice weekend, oh. and it is now raining. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's the end of summer for sure. Yeah, definitely end of summer here. Leaves are changing. Um, I, uh, the, the only problem is in Colorado, you've got a lot of evergreen trees. Right. Right. Um, so I, I thought it would be fun to take the dog up into the mountains right now where it's like prime leaf changing, you know, leaf changing season. And right. I just, Oh, he, there's this trail, there's tons of trees. And we drive up there and we start walking down the trail and I look around and I realize, oh, this is like all evergreens. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the the two, there are two mountain, major mountain passes um, from Seattle heading east. And um, one of them is basically just all evergreens. And yeah, you'll see some changing of the colors in, in this time of year. It's the other one that you want if you're really going, because for whatever reason, the, the, the you know, the trees are different up there and much more colorful. Yep, yep. So, so we both ran across an interesting article this week. Um, yeah. I, I published it in my uh, seven takeaways, which comes out on Sundays. And you just ran across it. It's the hyper personalization of everything, okay. which I thought was an interesting concept. What um, what was your big takeaway from that one? Well, you know, just reading the headline and then, you know, I, I instantly had this idea what the article was about. And that's what it was about. Um, you know, just that we're so used to being able to go into, say, like a, you know, a place like a Chipotle or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, and get all these little customizations and everything um, that we're just used to it. There's so much when you order things, things can be personalized when you, um, you know, uh, do use software, hardware, uh, but products at the grocery store, all sorts of weird personalization that we expect now. Mm -hmm. And I really took it right away to apply to what you and I do, which is, you know, answer people's questions and help people out um, with things online. And a lot of a question, a lot of the questions I get, at least fit this hyper personalization, everything where people either ask me, why can't I change this? on a Mac or an iPhone right. or, you know, why did Apple do it this way? Or why isn't, why isn't done the way I want it to be done? Right. Right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I don't, I don't say this, but a lot of times, you know, if the, the person asking the question is Joe one, two, three, four, I want to reply. It's because it's Mac OS, not Joe one, two, three, four <laughs> OS, you know, <laughs> it's for everybody. Um, and, and, and also the, customization, a lot of people think, oh, why can't there be just this one setting? It's like, well, you want the one setting. Somebody else wants another setting. Right. And there are millions of people using the operating system. So what you're suggesting really is not that one setting. You're suggesting there being like 100,000 settings. <laughs> and and that would, and then I don't think you'd like that. I don't think you'd like going to the settings for an app or system settings for the whole system. And then it being a hundred times the size that it is now. And spending trying to the next 24 hours. Thing. Yeah, spending the next 24 yeah. hours turning things off and on. <laughs> yeah, and I get it all the time. I get people complaining about why it's not like this or not like, why do they remove this feature or change mm -hmm. this feature or add this feature or... Another one is, is like, why do they add this? Nobody uses this. Like, or who uses that? Like uh, Apple, one of the big things they, they talk about is stickers, right? 
they introduced these this thing called stickers, and you could use them in text messages and other places. You could put little graphics. Sometimes they're animated. Sometimes they're just a picture of you with a thumbs up or something like that. Tons of different things you can do with stickers. But of course, there is a large number of people that don't use stickers at all. And obviously, there are a lot of people that do because Apple keeps improving it and people keep getting excited about the improvements. But I get people saying, it's like, why are they wasting? Why is like one of the main new features, new capabilities on stickers? I never use this. I don't know anybody uses this. Why are they wasting their time on it when my favorite bug here is still has been around for four years? Yep. You know, and it's like just because you don't use it doesn't mean other people don't believe me. Apple, the largest company in the world by some measurements, is not just blindly saying, hey, we created stickers. I bet you everybody uses them and we're not going to do any research at all to determine if they do or not. They know what people are using and they know how to like budget their time. And but it's not always going to be some. It's not always about you, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Which is basically brings it right back to the topic that to the article we ran into. What I love about that article was how it started. Um, it described a scenario on TikTok of all things, where mm -hmm. there's apparently um, a trend, as there apparently are trends on TikTok, uh, with people sharing uh, bean recipes. You know, beans, yeah, bean whatever, bean this, bean that. Uh, and apparently there's a large number of people that feel the need to comment on what if I don't like beans, yeah. which, which is just bizarre because yeah. the, the, sh the sheer concept of the fact that, okay, maybe this video isn't for you just mm. never occurs to them. And I, you're right. It's, it absolutely transpires in technology as well. Absolutely. I have exactly the same kinds of things. People that... Um, gosh, a couple of years ago, I had someone who was incensed that um, a particular way of displaying file sizes hadn't been implemented in the last 15 years. Um, and he was absolutely convinced that that was the single biggest issue uh, mm -hmm. that wi that Windows, or in this case, Windows File Explorer, um, you know, had to overcome. I mean, he couldn't understand how people could use it without this feature, um, even though, of course, you know, millions and millions of people are using it every day without the feature. Um, it's 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 kind of interesting. It's kind of frightening. I know that from your perspective and mine, it gets occasionally a little annoying. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, you know, I, I mean, it, part of our our job is to uh, uh, be annoyed in private and uh, then uh, be helpful in public. <laughs> try and say, try and explain. You know, okay, well, you know, like you said, it's not necessarily uh, you know the biggest the, the issue you think it is. I've got an article. <laughs> I've got an article that uh, I wrote again a couple of years ago, I think it was, and it's literally called Why Ask Why? Because mm. that's one of the very common questions. A lot of times people don't necessarily want to uh, fix a problem or solve a problem, although they would prefer that the problem be, be resolved to their liking, but they're desperately trying to understand or want an answer to why did they do it this way? Uh, typically followed by the, uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of a uh, evaluatory statement that said, why do they do it this way? It's so stupid. It's so useless. As you said, nobody does this. And of course, you know, why ask why? Well, they did it because they did it. They have reasons. They, you may, the reasons may not involve you, but they <laughs> absolutely have reasons. Uh, Yep. And yeah, the other sub subset of people, uh, smaller subset, thankfully, um, are the folks that are absolutely convinced that uh, Microsoft, and I would assume Apple, are doing this explicitly 
to piss off their customers, which <laughs> yeah. again, makes absolutely no sense. Um, and yet that's how they feel. That is absolutely how they feel when, you know, when things don't go the way they think they should. Yep. It's uh, something that uh, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 I never, I guess we're always looking at what we do um, from different angles, you know, and this hyper-personalization angle is a really interesting one where just a lot of people just aren't. And, you know, and, and we just see the tech angle of it. It's everywhere. It's in politics where people are like, why doesn't the government fix this one thing? Right. It's like because yeah. the government's got a thousand things, right? And, you know, there are issues with every one of them and pluses and minuses. Uh, yep. It's with uh, anything that you see. It's like, why Why aren't there? There's people speeding down my street. Why don't they put speed bumps in? And right. other people saying, I need to get to work faster. Why are this? Why is the speed limit so slow? You know, other people saying <laughs> yeah. there needs to be more bike lanes. There needs to be more pedestrian. There needs to be more parking. There needs to be more public transportation options. It's like, okay, so who do you listen to? Like, which one do you invest money in? And it's kind of the, you know, the same thing with software is no different. Software and hardware and all of that. And, and on top of it, you get a lot of people that are convinced that, uh, big companies can only do one thing at a time. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, Apple spent all this time uh, bringing new features to stickers, but we still don't have this on the iPad. It's like, I don't think the iPad hardware team has anything to do with yeah, I don't the think people it was, working on stickers. Well, it's an either or decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big companies can do lots of, it's not Tim Cook sitting up there doing it all. He's got a big, like, you know, workshop and he's just building everything himself. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's a lot of that. I mean, and people, they're not, it's not their job to think about these things or be in the industry or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, if, if people don't know how software is made, how hardware is made, how big companies make decisions. That's fine. It's not, I don't think the error is in not understanding. Right. The error is in not realizing you don't understand. You know, right. it's okay to be like, I don't know how software, like huge, massive pieces of software are developed and maintained. Um, so I'm not going to go and say that my feature is more important than somebody else's or that, you know, they're doing this intentionally to piss off users, like you said. Um, I'm just going to admit that this is out of my area of expertise. Yeah. There's and a, there's no. another subset of folks who have had experience writing software and they're trying to map their experience often from like 10, 15, 20 years ago on a mm. much smaller project to something as massive as Windows or Mac OS or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, as you know, the, it, it doesn't map directly. Sure, there are similarities. Of course, there are similarities. But the the complexity um, is is enormous in comparison to it's, even Windows from 20 years ago was significantly simpler than it is today. Um, so, yeah. The other thing I think that's happening, and I think this was mentioned in that article, is that... Uh, we are getting more and more personalization. By that, I mean uh, things like our social media feeds, the ads we see, uh, you know, as we as we traverse the web in various places, even the products that get recommended to us by sites like Amazon and so forth. You know, if you go to Amazon.com and I go to Amazon.com, you and I are going to see different things. And mm -hmm. that's because the experience is personalized based on, well, presumably our purchase history, but probably even more than that. Uh, so people have become more and more used to and as a side effect, expecting it to be more and more personalized to their specific 
tastes and needs and opinions and whatever. Uh, and yeah, it just it, ultimately it's making the, the scenario even worse uh, in that sense. I mean, it's always been a thing, right? We've always wanted the, you know, the pothole at our, on our street to get fixed. But uh, uh, now we're just being more and more trained to expect this kind of hyper-personalization. Yeah, exactly. And I think companies do lean into it. Like, I think we do have more options now than ever before. I mean, I'd like, sure. you know, like fast food, like um, uh, I, I do one of those meal services now, you know, online wow. meal services where they ship you all the fresh ingredients and recipe and you put it together. And there are there are personalization options. You could substitute out things. Right. Uh, right. So you, it's not just select this meal and that's what you get. It's like, no, I want this meal, but with, uh, you know, I want a vegetarian or I want this with, you know, not not this ingredient, but that ingredient. Um, and there's a lot of it. So some of it's expected. And of course, I mean, companies want their customers to be happy. So right. if they can provide some sort of personalization, they will, but you know, it's the kind of thing like, like the beans, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a dish that's based on beans. If you don't like it, eat something else. Maybe you don't want <laughs> beans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's fine. You don't, this it, video isn't for you. This like dish isn't for you. Hold, hold the beans, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Anyway, I do like this yeah. quote you threw in the notes that every setting in software is a design choice that a developer avoid it. Yeah, I tried right. to find a source for that. I definitely heard that for the first time in the '90s, so way back then. Right. right. You know, and and I just don't remember what the exact thing was, but yeah, I, I've always thought about that because I've got caught, you know, in my Clip Tools app, for instance, I've got settings. Right. And but every time I do a setting, it's like, okay, there was a design choice I could have made. Right. And I could have said this is the way it works, or I could provide options. Right. And do I want to make that design choice and say, this is what my product is, or do I want to go and say, okay, you can, you can customize this. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's an interesting statement. I mean, it implies um, uh, some kind of, of failure on the developer's part, but in reality, it's not that at all. These are hard decisions. Um, yeah. you know, what, what kinds of things to expose as choices versus what kinds of things to simply decide. And uh, it's not always easy, especially when uh, it is so much easier in software to not have choices, to just mm -hmm. code it up to work one specific way. So every, every option you add uh, makes the code more complicated. Uh, and uh, for those companies that are still doing testing, um, makes the testing scenario that much more difficult because it has to be tested both ways. And the more options you have, it becomes exponential to test all the various combinations. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. It's a design choice. Having a setting or not having it a setting um, is itself a design choice. Yeah, definitely. When I, you know, the whole startup thing, if you're building a startup product, one of the things you're supposed to do is not really have any settings if you can avoid it. Right. Say, this is the initial product, the minimum viable product has no settings, it works this way. Yep. And a lot of things we know 
nowadays, like social media sites and stuff, started off exactly that way. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to do two things. First of all, it's easier to get a product off the ground if you're not constantly going and saying, well, we're getting these results from our tests, but do the tests take into account whether a person at setting A or setting B? You don't have to worry about that. It's like everybody's got the same settings. But it also then allows you to, to you know, if it's successful, to have these features you could roll out. Say, hey, now you can customize this part of the, the software and everybody cheers and upgrades to the next version because they want that. Right. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, moving on to something mm -hmm. else, I encountered a scenario. Uh, okay. I, was asked, I was asked about this yesterday, and uh, an AirTag might be a solution to a problem we have, mm -hmm. but um, I wanted to run it by you uh, in front of the audience uh, in case we all could learn something from it. And this, here's the scenario. Uh, I volunteer for a nonprofit. We have some equipment. Um, and by equipment, I mean like a van, you know, a truck, that kind of stuff. And one of the places where that equipment is stored um, has had a higher than average uh, theft issue, you know, th yeah. uh, experience. So we're concerned that basically somebody's going to run off with a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, somebody suggested, what if we just put an air tag in it? Yeah. And we then find it. You know, it's mm. basically vehicle tracking. And the reason I found it interesting, because there are many solutions to this problem. Um, you know, the old LoJack, I have something on my car called CarLock. Um, you know, they use the cellular network and GPS and all that kind of stuff to, to locate the vehicle at any point in time. But they're services, whereas um, an AirTag, if I understand it correctly, um, is just a one-time, you know, pick it up. In fact, yep. you know, I was told that um, uh, Costco, has uh, four packs of air tags, which would feel like perfect for our scenario. Uh, but I'm sort of curious what you think about that, about that as one approach to potentially being able to recover a vehicle after it's been stolen. I mean, it's, it's certainly a low cost approach. Um, it has problems when being used like for anti-theft is one of the reasons Apple never pitches that as one of the things you should be doing with them. Um, uh, of course it, it's not sending out any signals and figuring out where it is on its own, right? It's relying on people with iPhones being nearby, nearby right? Yeah. So, but you know, that happens a lot of the time. Uh, but you know, uh, people have tracked their lost or stolen, well, stolen cars really. And it, it works pretty well, except that it doesn't help you like, okay, so you found your car. Like you, so somebody steals a truck and mm -hmm. it has an air tag in it, and you get a ping on it that it's in a parking lot somewhere. What do you do then, right? Maybe if you're lucky, if you're in some area where you've got like a police force that'll respond to stuff like that, mm -hmm. you can call somebody up and say, "Our truck was stolen, and we know exactly where it is right now." Right. Um, and they'll be like, "We're on it," right? And maybe you get it back. Uh, unfortunately, it's that's not the way it is you know, around the country, right? It's like, oh, is anybody in danger? No, it's just our, our property was stolen. Okay, well, we'll get around to it. It's like, but I know where it is right now. And it's like, well, we're not going to be able to to do anything with that, you know? So the um, that's like a, one problem is like, what do you do? Or if it's, right. you know, something where, you know, okay, the police aren't going to do anything. We can go to the parking lot and there it is. There are some individuals with our truck. What do we do now, right? right. How much right. is the truck worth to us? Because 
it could it could not be good if you confront uh you know people that are breaking the law uh on your own without you know police so there's that it doesn't really solve that it's like the better way to solve is something that maybe prevents the theft either right up front or of course insurance which you're just you know you're paying some amount of money and if say that right. does actually become uh you know it does get stolen then you just go and kind of shrug and say well this is why we have insurance um plus of course the fact that with stolen vehicles in particular you have the issue of like uh sometimes police do find your car like a week later we found your car great oh it's completely trash stripped it, right. you know it right. was in two accidents at least and uh and there's a quite a mess in the back seat too um that kind of thing and you're like oh god i wish they didn't find the car <laughs> would have been much better off um so yeah so i mean it's a marginal thing it, it certainly does uh give you something to do if there's a, a theft it's like those you know i've talked before about the doorbell cameras and stuff mm -hmm. you know it's like oh somebody stole our package off our porch and we have video of them great so instead of a package that's stolen and nothing we have a package that's stolen and a video <laughs> because you know, you don't end up getting it back or, you know, if you do, it's destroyed or opened or damaged or whatever, you know, so it, it's, it's marginal. I, but then again, you know, the other side of it is it's 25 bucks. Right. Yeah. yeah that's the big thing for us is, you know, once again, being a nonprofit, um, signing up for yet another subscription is kind of um, questionable. And basically it leads us down the same path, right? Um, you know, we know where it is. Uh, yeah. what do we do? Right. It's not, it's, it, it is definitely not theft prevention. Um, no, it's more, you know, theft recovery, um, at the, hopefully, but yeah. So I think I had a couple of questions about, um, the air tag physically, and that is, mm -hmm. um, for example, if it's inside a vehicle, yeah, it's not quite a Faraday cage, but no. it's a metal box. Um, does it, does it still work? It, it will still work. Its range will be limited. So you definitely want to find a place to put it where it may get less of that. Like a lot of cars, of course, today, a lot of some of the paneling's metal and some's not, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, finding a good spot that where it gets a good signal, you know, happens to be behind or, or like people putting it in like the taillight, uh, you know, assembly. Oh, right. Yep. You know, that kind of thing where it's not actually in the, you can't see it in the taillight, but maybe it's like at the bottom there or right. something. And it's like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of plastic around it. And it's not as much metal. Um, stuff like that can help. Sometimes they're just, you have to just look like on a car by car basis, kind of uh, find a good spot for it. Um, so yeah, with trucks and stuff, it gets harder because there's more metal, but, uh, but yeah, oh, yeah it, I mean, that is a concern. Yeah, there's there's still taillights in that. A, a lot of times, a lot of the cases, uh, the the articles I've read, the actual phone that has reported the location has belonged to the thief, right? Right. Yeah. A yep. thief steals a car, gets in the car and drives off, and the location's being reported, and that is just the air tag going to the thief's iPhone, <laughs> and then the thief's iPhone snitching on them, right? and showing where the location of that air tag is so that you know that in that case if you put it like in the center console right or in the glove box even you know <laughs> it may not be have great range outside the car but it's got the range inside the car another thing that considers of course that since uh, there's anti um you know anti-stalking measures in there right uh you get the the indication that the air tag 
um, you know, an air tag is following you around. So in some situations, you've got where the uh, the person is, you know, uh, if they have it long enough or whatever, it may start beeping or their phone, if they have an iPhone, may start telling them that an air tag has been following you. Right. So you've got that. Another uh, thing is I don't I'm not sure how it works in terms of like if the truck is located, it's nobody's address. Right. If it's at some, you know, if your organization has some sort of shed or something like that, um, then, you know, you see register it to kind of like this is my air tag and I live here. And then if the air tag is home, it doesn't bother you about it. Right. It's like, oh, you know, so I have, say, an air tag in my backpack. And if I I leave all the time and leave my backpack here and I never get anything saying you left your backpack behind because it's been left behind at home. Right. But if I take that backpack and I, you know, go somewhere and I leave it there, then it says, oh, it's not with you and it's not at home. So no, keeps it keeps notifying me. Hey, you left this behind. Interesting. Um, so I'm not sure how that will work. I mean, if it's the kind of thing where, you know, uh, somebody, you know, the, the vehicle stored somewhere that no, nobody lives. I mean, I guess you can, because it's not your home address, whoever you've set it up for. I'm not exactly right. sure how it works in that in that uh, scenario. Yeah. And of course, it's going to have to be associated with an Apple account of some sort. Um, yeah, exactly. I assume. So yeah, the, and, and that account, uh, we have basically, we have a two, three, four locations. Uh, but that account would have a home, but yeah. vehicles would not necessarily be there. So Yeah, I don't know if you could add it. Maybe there's, you know, add that as a second address. Uh, like, because you can add in your contact, you know, that you've got multiple addresses. And, you know, right. if you could put that as a second address for the person with that account who owns the AirTag, and then right. that might solve that. So it may take a little, little work, because again, it's using it for something that it's not you know, exactly designed for. I've got mine in my, uh, I've got, so I've got one in uh, my luggage, one in a backpack and one around my dog's neck. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I mentioned that when, when we were talking mm. about this yesterday that you were using it for your dog. <laughs> yeah. So it works fine most of the time because my dog is either uh, with me or home. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time is both. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but if I, if I do travel, um, then, and if, if my dog has to stay with somebody, uh, then what happens is I get notified that I left, uh, left my dog behind and you know, it, it just knows that it left the air tag, the name of the air tag behind. You forgot uh, and, and then a day or two later, it starts beeping for the person who's watching the dog. So, um, you know, saying that, Hey, there's an air tag here and it's kind of been with you and it's not in its owner's home. So, uh, all of that. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, that, that is, has been a problem. So I just remember to take the air tag out, which is, which is a shame because that's the time when I most want the air tag to be around my dog's neck. Of course. Somebody if, else is watching the dog. Right. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and they lose uh, it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I have to take the air tag out and leave it at home. So it's going to start beeping um, because of that. So, yeah, but again, not Apple does not say this is what it's for. It's not, it's supposed Correct. to be in your backpack. It's supposed to be in your briefcase, you know, that kind of thing. It's right. um, tracking your items and such, or even in your home, tracking something in your home. Cause you know, some use of it isn't so much the, left behind or it's not with you anymore but it's just oh i don't know where it is let me use my iphone and it does a thing where it you know points an arrow and says it's 15 feet in this direction 
and you know you can kind of figure out where you left your car keys or or whatever. Can you make it uh, beep remotely. Yes. Okay. And yeah, I'm pretty sure you can, but Basically, I mean, you don't really need to, because right. I mean, it'll tell you. You know, it'll be like it's one feet away. One, you know, it's right here, um, and you, so you can just you know find things pretty easily. I don't use any of them like that. Uh, I, you know, I just, uh, have them on those devices and, and of course other devices in the Apple product line do it like iPads and iPhones and such. So like when I travel with my iPad and I leave the hotel room, I'm not taking the iPad with me to go to dinner. And I always, as soon as I get so many feet away from the hotel, hotel room, I always get a little alert on my phone. You've left your iPad, uh, your iPad behind. And your and your backpack and your suitcase, <laughs> you know, all three. And right, like, yeah, because right. they're all in the hotel room. It's fine. Calm down. <laughs> all right. Well, that's yeah. that's some interesting information. I mean, it's it's good stuff to to think about a couple of scenarios. So I appreciate that. Yeah, um, we'll see where we end up taking it. Yeah. So I, I want you to do so. We, we use Zoom to record this podcast, and we did it before it was cool. Like we started <laughs> using Zoom. When we started the podcast well before the pandemic right and when zoom was like very new and it wasn't we weren't even thinking like the video part we were like oh this is a way to have uh like a teleconference whether yes. it's video or audio and you could hit a record button so we could easily record a podcast this way and yep. i know there are a bunch of services that specifically are for podcasts now but back then there really wasn't that much and we've just been using zoom ever since now zoom of course has expanded and grown in leaps and bounds and all of that. And it's mostly used for people for video stuff. But one new thing they added in the last week or so has been something called the AI Companion. And we both enabled it before we started talking. Um, and now if you, I want you to do this with me here, Leo. I want mm -hmm. you to you click on AI Companion and then it comes up right. on the side. Yes. And then you could type, catch me up and then return. Okay. And then it is going to generate something. And this is what it says. During the meeting, Gary Rosenzweig and Leo Noteboom discussed the use of AirTags and their limitations. They talked about the range and placement of AirTags and vehicles, potential for false location reporting, and the issue of the AirTag beeping when left behind. They also briefly mentioned using Zoom for recording their podcast and the new AI companion feature in Zoom. <laughs> so it, it actually didn't mention about the beginning. It, Interesting. It, so mine's yeah, it jumped to the end of the middle. Mine's different. Okay. Um, it says, uh, let's see, in the meeting so far, Gary and Leo discuss a technical issue with an AI companion that caused the meeting to be cut off. They then oh. talk about the concept of hyper-personalization and how it affects people's expectations in technology. They also mention the challenges of adding options and settings in software design. Towards the end, they discuss the idea of using an AirTag for tracking a vehicle. Yeah, so that's what yours got much better than mine. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I was doing this in a Zoom meeting, a video Zoom meeting uh, the other day. And it, and we all remarked, hey, do you all see the AI companion at the bottom? Yeah. So, and uh, I I was the first one to type, catch me up. And then, and I shared with everybody what it said. Mm -hmm. And we were all like, wow, that's incredible. And, and then we got quiet and I said, I'm afraid to talk now. 
<laughs> because you get you know, get this feel it's like hey this is it right now i know this is a podcast we're recording and then anybody can listen to it but right now at the moment we're recording this this is a private conversation between you and me but then right. as soon as you type catch me up you know zoom's like yeah so about that um i've been listening the entire time i mean all it's doing is is just generating a transcript keeping right. that in mind and then when you say catch me up it's the same thing as chat gpt saying right. Right. uh you know summarize this that's all it's doing. You can also do some other stuff. Um, one of them was uh, like, you can ask if you've been mentioned um, and it will tell you. So think of, you know, 30 people in a meeting, you come sneak in a little late or maybe you've had it on mute for a bit and you can ask if you've been mentioned and it will tell you. Um, so you've got that. Uh, and I think there's a bunch of other things that you can do. Let's see. Oh, was my name mentioned? Uh, what are the action items? Right. So thinking in terms of a meeting and what topics were discussed. I'm going to do the what topics were discussed. I wonder if it generates a list. Uh, include a technical issue with AI companion, hyper-personalization and its impact on technology, challenges of adding options and settings in software design and the use of an air tag for tracking a vehicle. I mean, perfect. Except the beginning, it's like we weren't really talking about a technical issue with the AI companion. We were just... Right because it was a technical issue with us that we restarted <laughs> uh, Zoom. So, but the rest of it, it gets right. Um, and then- so One of the know, other interesting things about this, two interesting things eh. about this. One is um, I'm assuming that it's enabled regardless of whether or not we're recording uh, the- uh, Yeah, the, I don't think it has anything to do with recording. You have to turn on AI companion. Right. Yeah, that's because when we did, you know, we should mention that at the beginning of the meeting, you you- click AI companion and it asks, would you like it to turn it on? And you'd say yes. So I wasn't doing it automatically. Right. But of course, if you're in a meeting with 30 people and one person says, yes, I want this on, right. then that person then has working. it on. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, gosh, I forgot the other thing. The um, <laughs> ask, ask it. Ask, ask no. it. What's the, no, it's, oh, that's what it was. It was that we obviously... Um, it's not clear, of course, from the published podcast, but we actually hit the record button before we actually start the formal podcast, mm -hmm. which implies that um, they've been listening mm -hmm. uh, to everything, whether mm -hmm. we publish it publicly or not. Yeah. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, this reminded me of a scenario that happened to me. Now, I've mentioned before that I use something called CRISP. It yes. um, is a uh, essentially audio enhancement. Uh, for example, you did not hear the leaf blower outside my office here about a few minutes ago. Mm. Um, and should my dogs bark, theoretically, you won't hear them. I caught, it's funny, I was recording uh, one of my videos and I had to sneeze in the middle of it. And I recorded uh -huh. with Chris Bond as well. Yeah. So I've got this wonderful video of me sneezing silently because Crisp removed it. I didn't do anything to remove it. I didn't mute myself. It just said, oh, this is not, uh, this is not uh, somebody talking. So I'm just going to remove it. Um, mm. it, was very, it was very cool. Anyway, one of the other things that Crisp has done is they have added transcripts. Yeah. Oh, same thing. They're doing more or less what Zoom is doing, except they're, they haven't thrown the AI Q&A at it. Um, but they've, they're just automatically, if you turn it on, automatically recording a transcript. Now, I did not realize that it was on. 
when I ended up making a phone call to um, a friend of the family who was discussing some uh, some personal stuff. And uh, this person has a bit of an accent. It was just me, but it was a case where I wanted to be able to describe what had been said uh, to my wife later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you, you, you saw it just a few minutes ago. My memory is not necessarily something that is to be relied on. Hmm. Uh, and, and I suck at taking notes, especially in real time. So um, I just happened to, after the conversation, uh, fire up Crisp. And lo and behold, I had a complete transcript of this phone call that, uh, A, did a, an amazing job with um, this person's accent, uh, this person's, you know, it's it's clearly, you know, a foreign national who's, you know, for whom English is a second language. So it, there's definitely a lot of things about the way it was spoken that would make it difficult. Heck, it makes it difficult for me to understand sometimes. Um, Chris did a fine, fine job. And it turned out to be perfect. I just said, okay, here, Kathy, have a look at this. And sure enough, she was able to read the conversation, uh, make complete sense of it. Um, and then I took it to the next level. I copy pasted the entire transcript into chat GPT. And mm-hmm. I asked chat GPT to summarize the conversation. And it gave me a summary that was so good. I mean, I can't go into the details, but it was one of those things where both my wife and I were shocked at um, you know, from this transcript, which of course had some broken English in it, but it was well recognized. Chat GPT came out with a very good uh, and accurate summary of the entire conversation. It was just, it just blew us both away. It was very, very impressive, but yeah, there's more and more of this stuff going on for sure. Yeah, no, I, I saw that they had that transcript thing with crisp as well. And, um, and I actually, so I was using crisp for a while um on my uh, particularly not to do the the stuff like you know on zoom and stuff but to do my show to cut down the noise and um and echo room echo all sorts of stuff uh, i actually left crisp it it, it worked <laughs> but i had some annoyances one of those being that it was very centered and obviously it only really been tested with one user account and when you do um tutorials like we do, like, I, I don't know about you, but I switch user accounts. So I have a user account that's like very vanilla. Um, you know, it's called MacMost and it's got like, oh, instead of my face, there's the, you know, there's the MacMost logo and all of that. And I leave stuff like, as I want to do during tutorials and you don't see my personal stuff. Like if I go to enter a password in the password manager, you're not going to see like, here's all my accounts to my banks and stuff, you know, right. it's, so it's what I record, uh, all of my regular stuff on, but sometimes I use my, um, my regular account to do things, particularly if I'm doing like an iPhone or iPad one. So I'm not really recording my screen right. uh, or if I need to just record a bit of audio or something like that. Um, and I would just switch between them. Well, crisp made it very difficult. If right. like I set it up and had it going on my demo account and then I wanted to actually use it on my regular account, right. it would fight with me. Like it wouldn't work. It would just be so hard to uh-huh. convince crisp to get it to work. And 
then I, if I did get it to work, then I'd find if I went back to the demo account, it was, I have to fight to get it to work on the demo account again, usually logging out, logging back in, relaunching the, the demon, everything. Um, so I was like, there's got to be a, a, an alternative. And I did find another one that's very similar to Crisp. Uh, it is called um, Crystal Sound. And very like suspiciously similar to crisp like the way it works like the yeah. options and mm -hmm. everything oh, making me think in a number one it's probably not the kind of thing where oh uh, one copy the other it's probably the kind of thing where there are certain apis available to you know build these things and don't neither of them are reinventing the whole wheel they're not putting oh, all this together from scratch you know thinking that and, maybe they're using a common back-end service a something. common back-end service that makes them say oh we should have options a b and c because mm -hmm. that's what goes into this service you know mm -hmm. so it ver was very similar but i was I, and it's not it's far from perfect i there's still some little struggles um using the multiple accounts but it did do better and it was also just there's a couple other little things I struggle with crisp that this crystal sound doesn't seem to have. So it's like, okay, slightly better than than crisp for my needs. Um and yeah, so I so I switched, but I'm using crystal sound right now, and you're using crisp right now. Right. So um, so yeah, there's there's that. Uh but yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I still wish like there were more options. Both of them have this thing where they put themselves up in the menu bar. Um so you could see that you're actually running them, right? And which is kind of annoying. It's annoying for apps to do that uh, when it's like, well, you should know that you're being used when people are recording their screens and maybe give me the option to hide you. Um, because it's like, in particular for like your type of app, you know, I should be able to go and say, oh, I just want it to be invisible and have a keyboard shortcut or something that brings it up. Um, in, in Windows, it shows up in the lower... Um the lower yeah. right notification area. I do things a little bit differently. So I don't run into that whole fighting scenario that you were describing. I don't use two user accounts. I actually use different machines. Different in machines, sense, yeah. In, in the sense that um, I have actually several virtual machines that I fire up to do uh, you know, my videos. So they are, you know, like same as you closer to what a normal user's machine would look like um, than mine, because mine's a mess. But um, uh, that means, though, that I'm running Crisp and doing all of my audio recording in the one machine, my machine. And it's and all yeah. I'm doing is really recording the, uh, um, the screen and mouse and so forth on the virtual machine. So that kind of sidesteps that problem. I know. I wish either one of those really would offer the ability to uh, just apply apply the filter to audio um, after the fact, because it's yeah. like I for my, for our use, we I don't need it to be live. I mean, I right. appreciate it for right now. It's great. It's live, sure. but I'd love to be able to just have the the raw recording from the microphone, yep. which I'm doing anyway, mm -hmm. and then say afterwards, oh, here's a little feature where I can you know run this through it. Uh, one of the re one of the things I do is I do record two audio tracks. I record straight from the mic and I record the, uh, well, first it was crisp. Now it's crystal sound, you know, that input as well. So mm -hmm. I have two parallel audio tracks and I did that with crisp because sometimes it would drop the first syllable after some silence. 
Interesting. So particularly at the beginning of the video where I would yeah. say, you know, this is Gary, you know, uh, this is Gary from MacMost.com. Sometimes it would just be, this is Gary from Mac, you know, MacMost.com. <laughs> and I'll be like, ah, you know, so I'd be able to take the original audio and just do a little tweaking just to get like overlay it on top of that first word. Right. And right. it would sound right. Um, and other times it would do it some, you know, if I stopped and I had to like change my screen, do something. And there was like 20 seconds of silence in the video, it would do the same thing again. It was like, it wasn't ready for like, is this a noise or is this actual speech? And right. I, I wasn't sure. Um, there have been other times when there's just minor little things. I haven't run into it as much with crystal sound, but with both of them, they both filter out my clapboard noise. <laughs> <laughs> So Summer. that's really annoying because it's like I'm using the clapboard to pinpoint exactly and make sure my audio and video are synced up perfectly. Synchronize the sound, yeah. And and because there is a, you know, like I think of uh, like 100 millisecond delay or like 200 millisecond delay from the microphone to, you know, the the recording. So I, I want to do that. Now, strangely, I don't have that much of a delay. It's like half the delay coming from both crisp or crystal sound. I think it's it must, must be happening in the opposite direction or something where it's like the, the regular audio is say 200 milliseconds behind. And then for some reason, the, the filtered sound is being pushed forward like a hundred milliseconds. Weird. I don't know. But either way, I would love to be able to sync them up. I can't because the clapboard is completely silent <laughs> with both of those because uh, it's filtered out of its noise. And that really sucks. But I, uh, so I, I do things like I start uh, each show, I do the clapboard and I say, be good. Because I went through all sorts of sounds, uh, things that you could say. And the word be oh, right. uh, yep. really seems to be something like almost like a visual clapboard. If I look, if I zero in on my mouth, right. I could really tell the exact frame. Right. where you should hear that beginning of the B come out. And it's amazing how many things I rejected before I came up with B. And then I was like, well, B what? And you know, so I was like, <laughs> it's weird if I clap and say B. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt weird. So I thought, well, I'll encourage myself. I'll say be good. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so every video I start off with that and then I synchronize with me saying B. Um, so... So yeah, so uh, I don't know. It's it's like not perfect. Uh, I would. Uh, they seem to have a lot of features in both Crisp and Crystal Sound, and I would love it if they would keep going and maybe do things like clapboard, you know, allowing clapboards, or you know, even hey, first three seconds don't filter, you know, and then I can get the clapboard in there. Um, I and, know that with and, Crisp, you know, with um, Crisp, if I wanted to do what you described. Um, I could, and it's actually one of the good reasons to have the icon in the in the uh, taskbar. Um, mm. Right click on it, and I can temporarily yeah. turn off audio processing, do the clapboard, and then turn it back on without you know starting and stopping. I suppose I could. I wonder if that would still keep everything in sync. They also, I I don't know if Crisp has this, but Crystal Sound has a my voice only feature, so I'm not using that because there's nobody else here. But right. I could uh, actually record my voice, do, go through some process, and then it would actually filter out other voices yeah, as well as noise and only have mine. So I don't know how well that works. They also have a reverb, uh, room reverb uh, filter, which <laughs> was like, it's like one of the main things that I want um, to get rid of the, the echo in the room. 
Sure. Uh, so that's really cool. And but all these things I would love to have after the fact. Just give me the raw. Let me record with the raw audio from the microphone, and then let me apply this all afterwards. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe at one point somebody will offer that. Interesting. I mean, stuff. To, to be fair, there is that. It none of it works. <laughs> like the the software I've got has an actual noise filtering thing, and you could set it to a percentage. And right. either it's so low of a percentage that it doesn't help, or it's too high of a percentage, and it might be my voice begins to sound bad, and words get really clipped. That what you're describing is more mm. of sort of a mathematical transform that's applied across yes. the entire audio, whereas things like Crisp and Crystal Sound are doing things more fluidly. Um, I, I reluctant to say AI, but nonetheless, no, they are AI. They're doing something that is uh, much more. Uh, context aware of you know the the sound yeah. through so yeah no it's definitely it's it's some form of AI it's not like it's not thinking about what we're saying or anything like that but right. it is doing something with the audio yeah um on a dynamic basis depending upon what's going on it's not the same filter applied uniformly so yeah I'd love to see that in in some more advanced uh, after the fact form yep. So, um, but speaking, speaking of, of audio, yes, yeah, you, you've got something else here interesting that I haven't played with yet. Oh, yeah. So this is really cool because we talked about this many months ago when we start first started talking about ChatGPT. We said, you know, it's kind of neat. It's like you can talk to the computer now, except you're not talking, you're typing, and you're not, you know, hearing, you're reading, right? But why doesn't somebody just go to the next step, right? And now ChatGPT itself, not somebody else, does have that. You have to have the app, so the phone app. So I've got ChatGPT app on the iPhone, which is a free app, it, you know, the official one. I'm not talking about anything from anybody else. The official uh, you know, uh, ChatGPT app that uh, has now a mode that, that it's, okay, you have to go into the settings. You have to enable new features. You have to go and enable this. And you have to have a paid subscription in order to, to even use it. And once you enable it, though, your phone just it changes the look of the app completely, and it's just listening to you. And then you just talk, and you ask a question. And it you don't have to touch the screen at all. You can put the phone down. You ask a question, and it will respond with a chat GPT answer, and then you can continue to converse. So I did what, you know, my my you know, main thing is with this is like, I used to try to learn something. There was a mention of a historical event in a book. I meant to look it up on Wikipedia or something, but I didn't get around to it. So I just turned this voice mode on and I said, tell me about this. And then I'd listen to the response. And then I asked a question about the response and it gave me more information. And I went back and forth and I was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> This could replace, you know, podcast for me, you know, just a conversation. Like, you know, I learned all this stuff without having to uh, type. Look, I could have closed my eyes completely and just conversed with ChatGPT. Now, I could also do the same thing with like any other thing that ChatGPT does, like, you know, playing games, uh, like I've talked about doing role playing games or, you know, therapy or, you know, anything you want to do. But it does right. work fluidly. There isn't a press to speak press to listen, that kind of stuff. It is just, just talk hands off. So, so it's kind of neat. It's like, okay, this, this feels a, li a little bit more like the future now. Stuff together. Oh, I've got it. Um, I just turned it on. Yeah. On my phone. 
And um, interesting. I'm going to have to play with this uh, offline. So um, I've been looking forward to this. I actually updated the app a couple of weeks ago with, with the expectation that it would show up and hadn't showed up yet. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about this is that this seems like what everybody was expecting of Alexa. Yeah. Um, and I have heard rumblings that um, the, the Echo team is, in fact, um, working on turning on that kind of feature um in the in all of the uh, the devices we all have scattered through our homes uh, that too will be interesting uh, to suddenly mm -hmm. start having a rather than a simple q a session with with the echo an actual conversation or uh, or whatever is appropriate uh, but yep yeah interesting stuff gonna start playing with that mm -hmm. i've been using um chat gpt as an idea generator i think you were saying that too mm -hmm. um I, I, for example, I suck at um, coming up with concepts, visual concepts for thumbnails, for video thumbnails. So wow. I've been asked, I've been asking um, ChatGPT, okay, give me 10 um, ideas for clickable video thumbnails for, and then give it the article title. And uh, it, it, not all of them are good. I mean, absolutely not. But it's almost always that I can come up with something that, oh, yeah, yeah, that kind of sort of makes sense. Um, and and it gives me something useful. Good use for that. I, I also noticed that, uh, you know, we're seeing this stuff crop up more and more. Um, when you post something to YouTube, I don't know if it's everybody's account now, but when I post something new to YouTube, uh, at the, under my title, when I assign the video a title, mm -hmm. um, there's a suggestion button now. Oh. And YouTube will give me suggestions, I assume generated by some sort of AI for other titles that I could use Do you for have this video. Either, either of the uh, the add-ons installed, vidIQ or... Um, uh, yeah, this is definitely not those. This is real okay. YouTube. Real YouTube. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that that's kind of interesting and neat. Um, yeah. So and I think we're going to start at like the two directions this is going is one is, of course, improvements uh, to the main body of you know uh, chatbots you know so chat gpt and bard and right. all of that but the other way it's going is seeing it crop up in little places where it's just as one little thing you yep. know, here's some title suggestions yep. here's some you know extra information and and it's it you know doing that could really be the way that the companies especially like apple go because apple of course is really shy about you know oh they could just add this to siri and then you could talk with siri until you get siri to admit to some historical atrocity or something like that you know and and then people get all up in arms you wouldn't believe what siri told me you right. know um because you coerced it you know by you know leading it down a path of so but so apple's going to be like really reluctant to just let it run for you know loose right but something where it can suggest make us a, a very narrow suggestion uh you know using ai and actually there's kind of evidence that apple already has this built kind of into things like maps and such um where there are little suggestions that are sometimes given right and what's happening there you know is that is there some sort of sm small limited ai uh you know like lang large language model going on that just can do this one little thing um you know so so yeah it's just it's it, i guess that's the thing a lot of people weren't talking about uh was it was almost a year ago it was like 10 months ago when this all appeared uh yeah. was everybody was thinking chat gpt everything but what about 
the the leaking into the rest of society yep. like into social media into you know just just in a very limited small way little devices little tiny devices that do things but now have suggestions for you on how to use them or you know what to do at various times that kind of deal it's it's all interesting and very cool yeah see i set up the transition there yes yeah nice um, speaking of cool <laughs> speaking of cool so um my item for ain't it cool this week uh we finally finally got around to watching guardians of the galaxy 3 last night oh okay yeah and um thoroughly enjoyed it um it's a little on the long side but it kept our attention the entire time it was a lot of fun um highly recommended i um i was thinking about it earlier today there are folks who are, I don't know, religious fans, religious fandoms. You know, they're either Star Trek or Star Wars. They're either Marvel, yeah. DC, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm all of them. Marvel, mm -hmm. DC, Star Trek, Star Wars, Firefly, Stargate. I mean, a whole everything. Uh, it's all great. And uh, so this definitely fell into the category of, of really enjoying that. Cool. Cool. I, uh, I as, as listeners know, I love reading books about uh historical adventures and such and i just finished reading a good one uh called the wager a tale of shipwreck mutiny and murder and the wager was a famous shipwreck um that happened in the 18th century off the western coast of south america um and uh you know it's just a, a one of those amazing tales that not only was amazing um, from the viewpoint of all the different things that happened, how the shipwreck, you know, the journey to where they got shipwrecked, what happened after the shipwreck, uh, how what happened to the group, how they some of them found their way home, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it just it, it happened at an interesting time when journaling really took off among uh, you know seafarers. Right. So you end up with uh, different people with different viewpoints of what happened getting home over the course of many years right. uh, in various ways and lots of journals and lots of books being written, lots of tales being told with lots of contradictions. And there have been many books written since then, you know, from right at the get go. And then you know, every couple of generations new books come out about it and there's a there's a new one out a fairly new out now um which you know again tries to look at it all uh and put piece together the whole story of everything that happened it's a fascinating story that you know one of those things when you read it it's like who needs fiction <laughs> you know when this non-fiction you know this stuff stuff like yeah. this happens that really happened right you know you could read about it so um so yeah if you like if you like that kind of stuff uh it's it's a it's a good book so in terms of blatant self-promotion um i it's interesting the article i'm going to point you to is uh, should i turn my computer off at night it's askleo.com slash 2968 and the, the reason i'm chuckling a little bit is this is one of those articles that's that's actually controversial <laughs> people have differing and strong mm -hmm. opinions about exactly what you should and or shouldn't do with your computers uh you know whether you know turning them off is the right thing to do turning leaving them running is the right thing to do i mean it's just it's crazy so um i i share my opinion which as with most things boils down to well it depends um but if you also read through some of the comments or even better uh, some of the comments on the YouTube video that goes with it, um, you'll see that, like I said, there is a a wide diversity of opinions. 
Yep. That's also a big topic uh, for Mac users, um, particularly that, uh, you know, people think they should shut down their machines um, when in fact, then they're missing out on certain maintenance and updates and things that are, that are going on yep. uh, it, it, while it's sleeping. Um, thus leading the Mac to actually run slower during the day because it's it's basically saying, well, I really need to catch up with this maintenance. I tried to do it while you weren't using me, but you kept shutting me down. So now I'm going to do it while you're using me. And um, and yeah, so I've done various videos on that as well. Um, but for this week, uh, I've, I'm going to point to a video on a new feature of Mac OS Sonoma, which is the Safari web apps Um Web apps are not a new thing. Other browsers have had them for a while. But the idea is that you could take a website and say, I want a web app of this. And right. it appears to be a separate app. And mm -hmm. you run it and it opens a window up and you're browsing that site. But it is, you're in fact using the code from your browser, but the system sees it as a separate application from the browser. And the cool thing about that is it's all the website data is separate. So if you say aren't logged into a social media site in Safari, mm -hmm. you can be logged in in the web app that you made for the social media site. Or maybe you can make three web apps for the social media site and each one can be logged into a separate account. Oh, interesting. I like so that. it's a privacy thing, but also, you know, for people that have to, you know, if you find yourself logging in and logging out of stuff, like even like YouTube, it's like, oh, I maintain a YouTube channel using this account, but I watch YouTube using this account. Well, you can create a web app to maintain your YouTube channel. And then your regular browser isn't logged in as that user, you know? So that's like the main point of it, as well as convenience. And it's it's kind of really nice to be able to have something that goes direct, you know, you launch it and you're right there on that uh, on that site and doing that thing. Um, Funny. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a... Uh, uh, it's a common thing. I have multiple accounts like, like, yeah. um, and it's why I have currently three different browsers running. <laughs> but yeah, this eliminates, there's two features actually of macOS Sonoma that deal with that. One is profiles. So you can do the same thing inside the browser and have like two yep. windows open in two different profiles. Yep. And the other way to deal with that is web apps and have, yeah, you know, the web app for, you know, especially for, you know, if you work for a company and there's a portal you're supposed to log into, right. right. That has all the company stuff on it. You create a web app for that. And now, you know, that's just like a separate thing. Right. And you're logged into your company's portal in that app only. And then your browser is something else. I like it. The other yeah. solution that somebody pointed at me, pointed me at, um, is a plugin for Firefox that it's, it sounds like it sets up exactly what you just described in terms of profiles in the sense that um, you can assign your tabs to different uh, tab groups, but each tab group has its own uh, data store, essentially its own cookies, its own whatevers. So you can have multiple and different separate um, sign-ins that way. Sounds like I said, it sounds almost exactly like what you just described for profiles. Yep. Very cool. Well, I think that pretty much does us for yet another week. Uh, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh205. If you've got a comment or a question for us, absolutely leave it there. We read them. We see them. Trust me, we really do. Um, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.